Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of We Believe Do You, a paranormal podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Eric. And today is a deep dive episode, guys. Um, and Craig, finally, it's happening. <laughs> it's it's happening, happening, Craig. <laughs> are you listening? Um, yes, we are. We are doing Heaven's Gate today. Like I mentioned in last week's episode, if you heard, um, you know, there are some paranormal elements to this one in the sense that aliens and ufos and stuff are kind of involved uh, but it is more of a true crime situation when we get down to it um so sorry not sorry it is still very fascinating to me at least um and yeah we're gonna do like a half half paranormal half true crime episode today yeah so before we get started has have, have any of you or michelle have you seen uh the new Dahmer series i personally haven't and i'm really wanting to watch it just because i love uh evan what's peters his name? evan peters too like I, what's I, I his like name him. how dare you i'm sorry dude i i couldn't remember i forgot who it was the other day too like they're also one of, uh, like an actor that i really enjoy watching and i could like couldn't remember their name for the life of me but yes evan peters yeah. i i really enjoy him like as an actor. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that. He looks yeah, he, pretty creepy in the trailers. Yeah, he plays crazy really w- well. Like him and like Barry Keegan probably not a whole lot of people maybe really know. Maybe they the do know. The new him. Joker from the Batman. Yeah, the new Joker from the Batman. Bleh, Batman if you don't know, but he always plays like crazy really well also. And yeah, there's just some actors that give them a crazy role and they just, it's almost scary how good they do it. (laughs) Um, But Evan Peters is one of them. But I, so I have seen two episodes, three episodes, two episodes, I think. Um, And I was a little concerned because everyone's like, oh my gosh, like it made me want to throw up and like, oh, like it's so, you know bad and i don't know maybe things will get worse after these two episodes but so far it's not i don't think too bad and and i'm super sensitive to gore and stuff um and like violence and that's what this should be because of some of the shit that he did but they do it in a way that like do do you know his whole like mo and like what he used to do yeah he used to eat boys yeah, but like how he would use a drill to give him a lobotomy, essentially to make him into zombies. Like that part is obviously is is in there, and there's a scene where he like gets the drill, and it's kind of bloody, but it's not like overly done, I guess. And he's like coming over to the dude to like you know put a hole in his head, and I was like, no, here we go. Like I'm not gonna be able to watch, and then it kind of cuts off and continues and goes into the next scene. I was like, oh okay. I mean, I know what happens, right? But they don't show it, so it's not. So far, again, two mm-hmm. episodes in. I don't know if it gets any different, but, you know, there's, like, blood stains and stuff, but so far that's kind of been the only thing. It's not been anything, like, super violent and gory. Like, Carlos like, I can't, I can't watch it. And I'm like, we're literally watching C, which is pretty violent and gory, and oh, Game of Thrones. Huh? Uh, that one's on Apple TV, right? Yeah, that one's a really. I love that show. That's, That's another one that I want to watch. I, ha- have I literally to. have Apple TV and I don't use it. I, and I, <laughs> the other one that I want to watch is um, the one with uh, Jason Sudeikis. 
oh the yeah one who's a soccer, soccer coach, coach yeah carlos yeah. loves that show a lot i think a lot of people do but see i i really enjoy that one um i think it's really well done it's very fascinating they're only um, gonna do one more season right i believe so if it's not this season we're watching i think one more mm. but i was pissed because i literally told carlos yesterday uh i was like oh i love this character so much like he's got like a great like story arc like he's great and they fucking killed him and i'm like are you kidding me and it's not ruining anything because you don't know where mm. i'm at in the show or who i'm talking about but um okay so there's actually it's not jason momoa well he's the main actor i'm yeah, if they do end the series maybe they'll kill him at the end but no yeah. i mean he's obviously alive he's the only reason this show probably existed but um but he does really well. Anyway, all that to say, House of Dragons is gorier and bloodier and incestual and shit. Like, it's just, there's other shows that we watch that's straight up like violence and gore, and he's perfectly fine with it. And this Jeffrey or the Dahmer series, so far, like I said, they haven't really shown any blood and guts and gore. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It makes me feel bad. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm just desensitized because I listen to too much true crime, but this is. <laughs> like okay with me maybe the Blair Witch I, I remember when but I think that was like the motion of the like camera yeah. that made me sick when we watched that one like we also watched it as kids or teenagers <laughs> it's, it's, no, whenever it came out uh, I remember we rented it at Blockbuster so there you go oh um, that'll age you yeah but I mean obviously we had to get mom to rent it. I, I think we all watched it like mom, dad, you and I we all watched mm. it in the living room like during the day or something. But I remember I was laying on the floor watching it and I just remember being like really like nauseous towards the end. But again, yeah. I think it was just because of the the whole, you know, camera Motion. moving around and stuff like that. Um but yeah, so I mean I'm looking forward to it. I also like the 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 other one they did with uh, Ted Bundy with uh, Zac Efron. That one was also yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. I feel like that one also didn't really, because I mean they both did some really awful things. Like it's not like you can actually. I mean, I guess you could show it, but Carlos's point of, well, when I'm watching like House of Dragons, that's fantasy. It's not reality. Like this guy actually did those things. I'm like, yeah, but at least I'm not seeing it actually happen. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Oh. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Again, so far, only two episodes in. Maybe it gets worse. But Evan Peters, yeah, so far is killing it for sure. Yeah, I mean, just from the the promo, like I said, the previews and and the the posters that I've seen, like just the way he looks in the photos is just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's unsettling. Yeah, I it's, honestly it... don't know how. I mean, I guess it's just they're just because of the way they look. They they look unassuming. Oh, the other one that I liked was uh, the one with the was it the Oklahoma City bomber. Um, the one where what's his name played uh, the guy from a knight's tale the one that plays uh, jarvis and vision oh i don't know his name oh no not cumberbatch that's the other guy uh i don't know i don't remember his name yeah but he did a movie too as as a as a um, serial killer yeah i don't remember i don't know if i saw that one I don't know. It was funny, though. I saw this meme about how uh, Evan Peters always plays these crazy, like, characters. Actually, actually, since we're talking about uh, Heaven's Gate, he does play Marshall Applewhite in um, 
cult in uh, American Horror Story. Mm. He he plays he plays this guy, which it's funny that that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Evan Peters. I promise we didn't plan this, guys. Um, <laughs> but, um, he yeah he plays crazy so well, and he's a handsome man. And women are like, can you just like not play someone psycho so that I'm not attracted to these serial killers? Because <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But I mean, but, I think that's the whole uh, the whole point. Ted Ted Kaczynski. Well, Ted Bundy. Ted Kaczynski was the oh. uh, Unabomber. Oh, the yeah, Paul with Paul Bettany. There you go. Uh, I. Well, like with him, Paul Bettany or uh, Kaczynski, he was he was kind of weird and and kind of nobody really. He didn't have a lot of friends, but like Ted Bundy was super charismatic. I mean, obviously he made all these like women, yeah, not like swoon, and then he would kill them, and yeah, uh, he was attractive. I've seen photos. I don't think he's that good looking. In my no, opinion. yeah, well, same same with uh, Dahmer. Yeah. Dahmer, I don't I don't see it, but I mean. <laughs> Zac Efron and Evan Peters, like, I mean, well, but their actors are supposed to look good, right? Yeah. But, I mean, <clears throat> you watch the movie and, I mean, I know it's it's a movie, but it's supposed to be based on true events and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. like, just to think how these women, like, fell for them. But, and then, like, there's this other thing that I've seen. I don't know if it's on Facebook or TikTok or, or Instagram where they put two photos of people mm-hmm. and they're, like, they'll put a guy, like, um, a Muslim guy. And then they'll put a photo of like Ted Bundy or, or some shit like that. And they ask women, who would you trust? And then obviously they pick the person that's racist. Yeah. That they pick the serial killer and they're like, oh, he looks more trustworthy because this, this yeah. and that and blah, blah, blah. And then the guy's like, yeah, well, this guy's a serial killer. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. And it's like, <laughs> of mm. course. So don't judge yeah. book. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I, I hope they make a bunch more of these like serial killers. Like uh, the know. other one, the other one that I want to see is uh, uh, go ahead. Are you gonna say it? I don't know. You might say what the one I was thinking of that you should watch, but now I forgot what it's called. Oh, fuck. What is it? Um, what were you gonna say? For he's a his last his I, dude. I, I wish I'd watched more. A uh, Hispanic dude. Um, oh, Richard. Ramirez? Oh yeah, Richard, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Ramirez, yeah. Yeah. I wanna that's another one that I wanna the Night Stalker. Like I hope they make a series if they haven't already. If they did, I need to look it up, but you know. I yeah, think. I've I haven't I haven't seen one where like well was it? Yeah, actually the late one of the latest or second to last American horror story. Uh, he actually comes out or quote unquote comes out and like a, a character plays him because it's set in the 80s, I believe. Mm. Um, but I, there there is a show called The Night Stalker or it's a docu-series maybe or something. Night Stalker, The Hunt for for a Serial, serial Killer. Um, I saw that one. That one was interesting. And his story just about like how they caught him and everything was frustrating because you would think that they would have caught him like there's one or two times and they don't. And you're just like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think. There was a show, Blackbird. I think it's Blackbird. That's because, the name of the show? Yes, it's Blackbird. It's 
So it's got, uh, do you watch Cobra Kai? Yes. Okay. Stingray? Stingray? Yeah. Yes. But the, the dude with like the little ponytail on his beard. He is oh, actually. Blackbird. I, I actually wanted to watch this, this show. Oh, do it. Do it. It's with uh the guy from uh, yeah. Kingsman, right? Yes. Dude, he look he well he has always kind of reminded me of Tom Holland or whatever, but he's always had this like little boy appearance to him. Uh-huh. And he, I don't know he what looks it like is. a man. He looks like a fucking man. I'm like, where <laughs> did this happen? what happened? But yeah. he looks like an old like a much older well, I don't know how old he is, but he's just always looked so young to me and he just like fucking aged and like is all buff and shit. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I wanted to watch this because this was the last. I think this was one of the last things that Ray Liotta did before he passed away. Oh yeah, they do a little like in memory of R.I.P. Yeah, kind of thing. But that yeah. that one's a really good show too. Yeah, that um, was one of the ones. I'm gonna have to go uh, put this on my Amazon on my uh, Apple. Yeah, that one and C. You have to watch both of those. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we get into it? Yeah. So, like I said, and why I kind of pushed this uh, deep dive. A couple of months was there is a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of information on this and um i still ended up making it like a 10 page report <laughs> that we're gonna have to you know talk through hopefully it's not too long for you guys and that's because i cut a lot of stuff out but um there is much more information and details than what we're gonna provide it would have to be a two episode sort of situation or like a three-hour podcast which we're not gonna do that we're gonna try and keep it under an hour and a half we'll see if that actually happens i think we can do it but still information packed and all the important stuff is in there so yeah let's should we get into it yeah sure before we do all right (laughs) what are you drinking it's this um I don't know how to pronounce that. It's like, uh, oh, beer, Chris, Chris's or Cersei's, Cersei's. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a Corpus Christi apparently beer. Hmm. Kind of tastes bready and citrusy. It's a blonde. Is it blonde ale. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one like the opposite of this called. I think it's called. I don't know if it's Merman or some shit like that. But it's got like a dude mermaid on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that one's a stout. So that one I want to try next. Yeah, well, getting getting some good stout and uh, porter season here. Good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be going up to Austin soon. So actually, oh uh, yeah, when I go up there, that's gonna be the week that we need to record episode 100. <gasps> well, then we need to find something to do up here. The fuck, we need. I need to. I need to try and find a ghost tour or something. We'll see. All right. All right. All right. Noted. Let's jump into this. <laughs> okay. All righty. So, um, yeah, like I said, guys, it's a lot. If you don't know what Heaven's Gate is, bottom line is basically a cult. But some of the stuff that they believed in was, was pretty out there. Um, and you'll hear all about it. So um, what I wanted to do was start with the founders and who they were because they play obviously a very massive role in everything that played out. If you know the ending to this already, wonderful. If you don't, I'm just going to let you wait and find out at the end. 
it's awful. Okay. All right. So Heaven's Gate was founded in 1974 and led by Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite. They were actually known within the movement as first bow and peep because they were herding sheep. Their the cult members were essentially sheep. Get it. And yeah. And later, um, tea and dough. And those were because uh, they had a, a love for the mu- the movie Sound of Music, and like Doe, Doe, a deer, a female, a female deer. deer. Yeah, exactly. That one. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so T and Doe, um, Marshall Applewhite, aka Doe. All right, so let's let's get into a little bit of a history or like backstory of who these two people are because their history plays, I think, a pretty massive role in what ends up happening here um and i'll start with marshall applewhite because he's kind of the main protagonist here in this situation but um he you know grew up pretty much uh in a a very religious household and he attended several universities and served in the united states army he initially pursued a career as a professional singer in new york but he was unsuccessful because you got to be good if you're gonna make it in new york right and or anywhere. He, or anywhere, I guess, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> There's some people who lack talent that are still famous. But anyway, he later started teaching at the University of Alabama, and he actually lost that position there uh, after trying to get with or have a sexual relationship with one of his male students. So because of that, he ended up uh, separating from his wife when, or I guess his wife separated him uh, when she learned about the affair in 1965 and then they later on divorced three years later and um, she obviously kept the kids so he was just kind of by himself and when he revealed to his parents that he was homosexual his father rejected him was like you're dead to me basically Um, so sad yeah and then his father ended up passing away a year later and that just brought on severe depression I can't imagine like one being rejected by your father and then not being able to, you know, make it work and like have a, you know, relationship with him. And then he just passes away. Like that's pretty sad. Um, So then in 1965, after leaving the university of Alabama, he moved to Houston and Texas and uh, served as a chair of the, uh, of the music department at the university of St. Thomas and his students loved him. They said that he was very uh, a very engaging speaker and a stylish dresser, which I feel like that engaging speaker situation kind of speaks to why he was a cult leader. <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, people who are good with words are dangerous, for sure. He resigned from the University of St. Thomas in 1970, citing depression and other emotional problems. But the president of the university also recalled later that uh, he was often like mentally like jumbled and disorganized near the end of his employment and um it was also rumored that he really left because essentially the same situation that happened in the Univer- university of alabama where um he tried to have a relationship with one of his students again and just didn't work out um but all all this stuff and there's a whole bunch of other stuff in between um but those are kind of the main points. Uh, all of that ended up leading to him having a mental breakdown during one of his classes. And he ended up being hospitalized where supposedly 
this is where he met Bonnie Needles. And and I say Nettles. supposedly Nettles, sorry. Um and I say supposedly because uh when I was recovering from COVID and I had nothing to do but lay on the couch and watch TV, um I watched a whole documentary on Heaven's Gate. So it was um tree Heaven's Gate the Cult of Cults. I believe that was on Netflix. So if you guys are interested, there's a lot of information in, in that one, um, which is where I got some of my stuff from, as well as Wikipedia. But surprisingly, I should probably say like where I got my sources. Uh, if you like Wikipedia Heaven's Gate, there's not a whole lot of info. If you Wikipedia Bonnie Nettles, not a whole lot of info. Now, if you uh, Wikipedia Marshall Applewhite, every fucking thing is there. That that was where I got uh, a nice little chunk of info to between that and, or I guess all three of those, the actual Heaven's Gate website, which yes, it still exists, guys. And this documentary is where I compiled this 10-page report for you guys. So there's that. Um I will say the documentary says that he had his mental breakdown and was hospitalized and that's where he met her. But we'll kind of talk about some of the other theories as to where they where they met. But uh, Eric, can you tell us about Bonnie Nettles? So, yeah, Bonnie Nettles, a.k.a. T. Bonnie Nettles was born on August 29th, 1927 and was raised in Houston, Texas, into a Baptist family. As an adult, she moved away from the religion. As it happens sometimes, I guess. Yes. She became a registered nurse, and she married a business a businessman named Joseph Segal, or Siegel Nettles, and so. had four children. Uh, their marriage remained mostly stable until 1972, at which time, according to the New York Times, she be- she began attempting to contact deceased spirits by conducting regular seances and came to believe that a 19th century monk named Brother Francis frequently spoke with her and gave her instructions. She also visited multiple fortune fortune tellers who told her that she was soon to meet a mysterious man who was tall with light hair and a fair complexion. Descriptions which were fairly close to Marshall Applewhite's appearance. She also studied astrology, the- theosophy, and the occult. So, I, and man, I guess this is why a lot of times people like when somebody says that they are into like astrology and all that shit, it, it always, um, they're like always putting or like a turn off. Yeah. And they tag them as, you know, crazy people. Yeah. Her daughter remembers a time they were outside and saw a bright light in the sky and they believed that they believed was a UFO and wished it would pick them up and take them away. So if you didn't get it from context clues, that's how she met Nettle in the hospital because she was an RN. She was a registered nurse. Yeah. So again, that was that was one of the the theories that, um, yeah, he was because she used to work with babies. So like in the mostly not necessarily pediatrics but yeah or maybe it was pediatrics but she worked with um babies but the nursery yeah but so it's like hard to say where exactly but um i'll actually talk about some of those now this is how they met or some of the different ways that they met um so like i said it's it's not clear how nettle and applewhite first met but uh supposedly one of the theories or 
explanations people have is when um, March of 1972, and in his writings, Applewhite claimed that he was visiting in a hospital, a hospital friend, when Miss Nettles entered the room and their eyes locked and in a, a shared recognition of esoteric secrets. That's a quote from his journal. Visiting a hospital friend when Miss Nettles entered the room and their eyes locked in a shared recognition of esoteric secrets. However, Applewhite's writings were prone to hyperbole or relaying everything at uh, as some occurrence of fates. Like, he just made everything sound so much more special than it probably honestly really was. Um, Terry Terry Nettles, uh, Bonnie's daughter, who we just spoke about, um, worked at a theater where Applewhite produced weekend children's shows and taught in an in-house drama school. Um, she has stated, or she said that someone got hurt at the drama school in the theater and Applewhite, that the theater that Applewhite worked at, and so he actually took the student to the hospital, and that's where he met Bonnie. So there's also that, um, and then like I said, that he had a mental breakdown and was hospitalized, and then that's how he met her. All that to say, they definitely met in the hospital. How or why they actually connected or saw each other is what's a little, you know convoluted or or not not clear i guess um but it was march 1972 in the hospital um and that's actually when nettles agreed to perform an astrological reading for applewhite and they had an almost like instantaneous spiritual connection which i can i can kind of see that where you know where you meet someone new and you're like how i feel like i've known you forever and you know you've maybe just barely know them or they seem familiar or just comfortable I can see that I don't think I've ever had some sort of major like spiritual connection with someone have you Mm. like yes I guess so like I like I feel like I've met them before yeah but I don't know if anything like that deep special yeah no yeah, definitely have felt that of like, we've met before, we know each other somehow, or you just feel so comfortable with them, which normally takes me like a year to get to that point, but it's instant. Um, but yeah, that's when Applewhite decided that Nettles was to to be the sage and he the speaker, to quote him. Um, the two quickly became the best of friends, and he later recalled that he felt like he had known her for a very long time, and they concluded that they had met in a past life. So, like, I can get behind that part, but again, nothing, like, super deep or meaningful. So Nettles told Applewhite that their meeting had been foretold by her, by extraterrestrials, persuading him that he had a divine assignment. So I'll keep going. But just kind of try and see the dynamic here because I think their friendship. Yeah, we'll we'll just keep going. Uh, we'll we'll get to it too later. I think I'm trying to skip ahead because I'm so excited and I want you to know. But <laughs> we'll we'll just get there when we get there. Or Applewhite actually moved in with Nettles, and keep in mind she was still married at this point. Still had her three daughters living in the house. Um, granted, he obviously preferred men so it wasn't like there was anything sexual going on but 
I don't know. Just imagine like some someone of the opposite sex coming into your house and just like the fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of disrupting everything. And um so even though the relationship wasn't a sexual one, um, it fulfilled his longtime wish to have like a deep, loving but platonic relationship. Um he was very much ashamed of his sexuality. So I think like this was his way of like I'm with the woman, but he didn't have to be sexual with her or anything like mm. that. But he still loved her and cared about her and stuff. Um <coughs> but you know, obviously this kind of took a toll on on her marriage. After she became, you know, pretty close with him, her husband ended up divorcing her and she lost custody of her children. So now it's just Applewhite and um, Nettles, or Bonnie and Marshall. Marshall ended up breaking off contact with his family um, since she basically didn't have anyone anymore either and saw Bonnie as his soulmate. And some of his acquaintances later recalled that she had a super strong influence on him. And this is what I'm saying. Like, just kind of pay attention to the dynamic. Um, if you know this story, you think that one person is the true bad guy and then you kind of see that maybe not but then maybe and yeah it just goes back and forth but um it's said that or bonnie was responsible for reinforcing his emerging delusions and beliefs but uh psychiatrist robert j lifton speculates that uh, bonnie's influence actually helped him avoid further psychological deterioration hmm. which I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm also not a psychiatrist, so I'm not a professional, but it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like she kind of fed it sometimes, too. Or maybe they just fed each other, and that's why it seems like it goes back and forth, you know? So they left together on New Year's Day of 1973 and went on a journey of spiritual discovery, identifying themselves as the two witnesses of the revelation. They traveled all over the U.S. visiting gurus and other new, new and other new agers, often selling their blood or doing odd jobs in order to get by. Sometimes they would even skip out on paying for their lodging. While traveling, Marshall and, and Bonnie read works by authors including Helena Blav Blavatsky, who was a Russian mystic and author who co-founded the Theosophical Society in 1875. The Theosophy teaches Theosophy teaches that the purpose of human life is spiritual emancipation and claims that the human soul undergoes reincarnation upon bodily death according to a process of karma. It promotes values of universal brotherhood and social improvement, although it does not stipulate particular ethical codes. So, R.D. Lang... So Go ahead. I was just going to say when I was reading this and they listed off some of the authors that they're, you know, into, I was like, okay, well, let me see who this Helena person is. And seeing like some of the, some of these authors, it made more sense why their cult was the way that it was or why they believed the things that they did. But um, sorry, who was that other author you're about to say? No, uh, it was a psychiatrist named R.D. Lang uh, who broke with traditional psychotherapy and sought new treatments for schizophrenia based on a, con on a concern for the rights of mental patients. Uh, they kept a King James Version of the Bible with them and studied several passages from the New Testament focusing on teachings about Christology, uh, asceticism, 
and es- es- eschatology. Applewhite also read science fiction, including works by Robert A. Henlin and Arthur C. Clarke. Um, by June, fantasy huh? out there stuff. Yeah. Um, by June 1974, Applewhite and Nettles' beliefs had solidified into a basic outline. They concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies, and they had, and that they had been given higher uh, level minds than other people. So, okay, they thought they're delusional. They're- Definitely. Uh, they wrote a pamphlet that describes Jesus's reincarnation as a. Oh my God! <laughs> you didn't read this. Oh my gosh! I, don't know, I didn't get this far. Oh. I mean, it's not that far, but I was gonna say something, but I'm gonna shut up. Uh, they wrote a pamphlet that describes Jesus Christ's reincarnation as a Texan and thinly veiled references to Applewhite, and concluded that they were the two witnesses described in the Book of Revelations. And occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak uh, to speak of their identities, offering refer, often referring to themselves as the two or the UFO two. The pair believed, dude. I swear to God, like, I mean, I guess that's the pro- that, that that's that's kind of what we like, kind of what we've talked about before. Like, mm-hmm. if somebody came in saying like, "I'm the son of God," nowadays people would just be like, "Dude, shut the fuck up! You're crazy." Yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> That's pretty so like, much what this was, yeah. Yeah, so like that. That's. I mean, this also reminds me of some other people that you know I've run into, but you know, yeah. So anyway, the pair believed that they would, there. yeah. The pair, the, the pair believed that they would be killed and then restored to life, and in view of others, transported onto a spaceship. This event, which they referred to as a demonstration, was to prove their claims. They were shocked when these ideas were poorly received. Oh, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was... my God. Are you fucking kidding me? What? Uh, the, what I'm going to say? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's why I had to add it in here. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we've talked about Texas a few times already here that they he lived in Houston. She was born in, in, in Houston or in Texas and everything. Um, so, Texas plays a, a large part, which is kind of why I was like, is this why Craig wanted us to? talk about it because it's like a texas thing um but anyway <laughs> he was like he got a bunch of crazies over there in that state yeah, I, mean, I mean he didn't really have to tell us that you can't knew that but it's true it's true i well so i wanted to do a whole section about like how they would recruit these people because i mean we'll get into it too but it's like who the hell would ever join a cult that does like a b and c so I kind of want to talk about the recruiting process and stuff like that and, and why. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people are like, yeah, fuck that noise. Like that's clearly is bullshit. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of interesting or fascinating, I, th- I thought. But in um, August of 1974, Applewhite was arrested in Harlingen, Texas. It's like 25 minutes from where I live. Yeah. Shout out to RGV, Rio Grande Valley. Um, for oh, failing that's, to... Re- that's really something we want to shout out. Yeah, let's shout out... Yeah, 956. No, let's shout out Harlan Jim because they arrested these fucking crazies. Well, they arrested him. But okay. for failing to return a car that he had rented in Missouri. He said, though, 
that he had been divinely authorized to keep the car. So that's why he kept it because, yeah, because someone told him to. Okay, dude, I'm just going to say it, bro. Like, this legit (laughs) sounds like these fucking QAnon people, dude. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, this is is what they sound like. QAnon's basically a fucking cult. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, He was extradited to St. Louis and jailed for six months. And while he was jailed, he, he pondered a lot of theology and basically abandoned discussion of the occult topics in favor of extraterrestrials and evolution. Um, But don't worry, guys, because he brings it all back together. (laughs) After Marshall was released, uh, Bonnie and him resolved to contact extraterrestrials and began seeking like-minded followers. I mean, I guess that's first step, right, is in building a cult is find like-minded people. Um, see, but that's the thing is like some of this stuff, like I would, you know, believe in aliens and like other things, but I feel like if I were to have sat in on one of these, I would have been like, this is bogus. <laughs> Why is anyone? Yeah. But anyway, I'll, I'll get into it some more. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess again, it goes back to that other, that mafia lady that supposedly speaks, speaks Pleiadian. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's the same thing with her. Like she says, like I was you know called upon to you know spread this message and and like you don't understand me because you're not like attuned yeah you're not attuned you're not on the same vibrational like on the same vibrations that i am and this and that and then i saw some tiktoker um talk about how like yeah like she's legit that like people just don't understand because they're not again they're not on that same vibrational wavelength so like part of me wants to be like okay like i get it but at the same time it's just like i mean the the good thing well right now like she is trying to spread her message of like just love and you know just love each other peace yeah which (laughs) is fine but like i don't know it doesn't seem like she's gone this route yet yeah you know what i mean so like what if she started to do this like what they've like mm-hmm. being like i'm this or i'm that or like i you know me 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 i am god yeah we're essentially i mean well they do actually compare themselves to jesus later on but yeah i think that's where you start to and obviously we know this ends bad so yeah. we're always talking about yeah it's totally fine if you believe this stuff but if you're gonna start hurting people with it kind of thing that's when it becomes a problem so they they actually published some advertisements for meetings and that's where they recruited their disciples whom they called crew and at these events they they were telling people or telling this crew um that they represent beings from another planet the next level um who sought participants for an experiment And they claimed that those who agreed to take part in the experiment would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. So basically, if you followed them, you and and I think that's kind of what gets people's like, well, everyone wants to be better than and a part of something. Yeah, no, part of something. But like that feeling of being special, I think that that plays a huge part of it is when someone makes you feel special makes you feel important like 
you want that, like you're drawn to that. So basically they're saying like, if you work with us, you're going to be special. You're going to be this higher level of being if you listen to us, basically. Um, and so that was one of the ways that they got people. But they, so, you know, we, we talked about how they refer to themselves as T and O and uh, Bo and Peep. They also referred to themselves as Guinea and Pig. The show is all over the place. They just had all the nicknames. And um, they also went by um, uh, Bud and Weiser and oh uh, Jack in the Box and uh, yeah. Little Caesars. Little, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Little Caesars, Pizza Hut, Burger and King. Yeah. Eric is in and out. <laughs> Guinea pig was legit though. <laughs> um, I know everything else you're saying is bullshit. Eric. Guinea pig though, that was. <laughs> um, Applewhite described his role as as the lab instructor and served as the primary speaker. And then um, Nettles or Bonnie occasionally interjected clarifying remarks um, and corrections. If he fucked up, basically she was there to correct him. And they had originally named their organization the Anonymous Sexaholic Celibate Church. Yeah, that kind of plays into a lot of what happens, too. Uh, But then, I don't know, sexaholics and celibate church, those three words combined (laughs) probably are a huge turnoff. And um, they ended up renaming it to Human Individual Metamorphosis. Him for short him oh yeah that's right and he um he also or uh, sorry marshall believed in the ancient astronaut hypothesis do you know what that is eric no i don't okay so it's a claim or a theory i guess or hypothesis um that extraterrestrials had visited humanity in the past and placed humans on earth like uh what is that movie um with a p not poseidon uh Prometheus, Prometheus. Oh, so kind of, kind of this. Um, yeah, visited humanity and they placed humans on Earth, and then they would like return to collect or select or to collect a select few, like special ones, I guess. Um, but Prometheus is more like aliens came to this uninhabited planet, put their DNA into the planet, and then so we're like half human, half alien kind of thing but was was prometheus the first one i don't know i just know prometheus at the very beginning of that one it's the alien that dissolves into the water and the dna is like in the water and then that's how other life forms are formed Mm. and then i honestly don't even remember what happens after that i don't know why that that uh scene was so like burned into my brain but this is basically like they're farmers or sorry this theory is like they're farmers they put their like seed out basically kind of thing and they're gonna collect the best crop Mm. uh but also what does that sound like to you like assassin's creed no oh these extraterrestrials are going to come back to Earth and collect a select few. Oh, the... Um, I always say it, too. Uh, oh, that fucking thing that Bible people believe. 
rapture the rapture yeah i mean that's when i read it i was like so the rapture <laughs> basically um or well no, or, I guess it is rapture it's the it's because i just recently watched the that movie with uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco and all those. Oh, dudes. it was like the end of the world or some uh, shit. Yeah, this is the end. This yeah. is the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, basically that. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. That's what happens at the end. Um. So Marshall and Bonnie sent advertisements to groups in California, and they were actually invited to speak at New Age uh, to New Age devotees, devotees, devotees. There in April of 1975. And at this meeting, they persuaded about half of the 50 attendees to follow them. So now they already have 25 people. Um, and so in the in the documentary, they have former members um, who left before the big thing that happens. Um so they're interviewed and they kind of give their perspective and like why they joined or why they stayed in for so long, which I think is a very important thing because, I mean, I was saying this to myself, like, how do you get sucked into that? But not only this one, um, I don't know if you've seen the Nexum cult documentary, Eric, um, that also has some of the former members and, and they talk about how, at least in that, like the, the feeling of someone making you feel special and thinking that you're better than or greater than everyone else and you just eat that up because that's what everyone deep down inside really wants and that's how they get you um so uh one one of the the meeting goers and and again this is in the documentary he said that it it looked like there is like a haze or smokiness over them but it was more like an electrical charge kind of thing not like uh actual smoke um and yeah that it was hanging around them and it actually ended up reaching out towards the crowd and he felt like he was sitting in front of someone like jesus like he just felt like they were so important and he was in awe of everything that they had to say and um they usually would focus on college campuses uh in a meeting in oregon in September of 1975, they had even more recruitment success, and about 30 people left there to follow them. And, and so it actually made some of the media outlets kind of like, whoa, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, these people are disappearing because, like, 20 people were reported missing after this meeting. Mm-hmm. So they're like, whoa, like, what's happening? And, you know, obviously they kind of figured it out, but not, not really. Um, and, Obviously, the coverage was super negative and uh, commentators and some other like former members mocked the group um, and leveled, you know, the accusations of, of brainwashing against uh, Marshall and, and Bonnie. And some of the former members also said that Marshall and Bonnie used pressure tactics and seeking only devoted followers. So it's like if you had any doubt, you could not be a member, which yeah follow me blindly and you can be special basically is what they're fucking saying and they also always targeted people who were like lost or wanted to feel like they belonged which i mean we're just social creatures as much as i say that being around people is draining and i'd rather be alone i get antsy if i don't socialize or talk to somebody so Mm -hmm. no one wants to feel important and like they belong 
uh, it was also the height of like aliens, drugs, and fear of the end of the world. So this it was like perfect recipe for let's start a f- fucking alien cult. <laughs> um, and so uh, Benjamin E. Zeller, who's an academic and he studies um, new religions, said that White's teachings focused on salvation through individual growth and sees this as similar to current in the in the era's like new age movement and the importance of personal choice was also emphasized so it was weird because it was like yeah you can choose to do all these things but really it was like a loop around like controlling and making you believe that you were making your own choices but really like they were kind of telling you what to believe or what to choose. One sociologist um, who studies cults attributes their recruitment success to their um, eclectic mix of beliefs and the way that they deviated from the typical New Age teachings, like discussing literal spaceships, like fucking UFOs while retaining familiar language. So add this like crazy you know aspect of ufos and spaceships and aliens and whatnot and all of a sudden it's like oh wait no that doesn't sound like new age because new age doesn't really talk about aliens mm-hmm. at least not yet this was kind of i feel like the start of that um and a lot of their disciples or their crew were young and interested in occultism or otherwise lived outside of the mainstream society and they came from a variety of religious backgrounds, including like Eastern religions and Scientology. And uh, most were well versed in New Age teachings. So it made it a hell of a lot easier to convert them because it's like, it honestly kind of reminds me of the whole like Catholicism and like paganism, mm-hmm. where, you know, the Catholic religion just took took some of those pieces because it made people like oh well, it's kind of similar and it was an easier transition so i feel yeah. like that was kind of the, the same thing um well the other thing that it reminded me too like something that you said right now about like only the like devoted uh could follow them i mean it it, it still sounds similar to me just like to the regular church yeah so uh, Marshall's whole thing was that he he thought that his followers would reach a higher level of being, um, changing like a caterpillar, becoming a butterfly, uh, was the example that he used most often in in the group's earlier literature. He, he changes his mind later, and you'll see why. But um, that was his original, like, oh yeah, this is that's what this is, whatever. Um, and then he contended that, or he said that. Uh, it would be a biological change into a different species, like casting his teachings as scientific truth in line with secular naturalism. Secular naturalism, that's what I said, right? Um, And he emphasized that his early follower, he emphasized to his early followers that he was not speaking metaphorically, like often using words like biology and chemistry in his statements. Um, so you just like made it sound way more legit than it actually was, I guess. Um, and so I actually was able to find one of the flyers that they would pass around and I will post this on Instagram when I make the post. So let me do last week's. Did I do last week's? No, I didn't. Um, when I post, uh, 
the episode, but um, I'll read it super quickly to you guys. It says, UFOs in San Francisco area, why they are here, who they have come for, why they will land. Two individuals. Oh, sorry. When they will land. Two individuals say they were sent from the level above human and will return to that level in a spaceship, parentheses UFO, within the next few months. This man and woman will discuss how to transition from the human level to the next level and it uh fuck from the human level to the next level is accomplished and when this may be done this is not a religious or philosophical organization recruiting membership however the information has already prompted a number of individuals to devote their total energy to the transition process if you have ever entertained the idea that there might be a real physical physical level in space beyond the earth's confines you will want to attend this meeting it's like may august 25th blah 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 and uh he's like uh we're not recruiting but if you want to join that's that's completely up to you yeah it's your choice right that's what he made it seem like it's your choice i i feel like honestly i probably would have attended like just kind of based off like that first paragraph i'm like oh i got it i gotta hear this shit and then it probably would have been the second paragraph or actually being there that would have been like, oh, this is all bullshit. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, Eric, let's let's start talking about how they like officially Form turned into the cult. This is going to be kind of a lot. So be prepared. So by 1975, Marshall and Bonnie had taken the names Bo and Peep. They had about 70 followers and saw themselves as shepherds tending a flock. Applewhite believed that complete separation from earthly desires was a prerequisite of ascension to the next level and emphasized passage in in the New Testament, passages in the New Testament in which Jesus spoke about forsaking worldly attachments. Members were instructed to renounce friends, family, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and sexuality. Uh, Yeah, I'm definitely not joining. Yeah, it's like that's how you know you're in a cult. Yeah, this is how you know you're in a cult for sure. Um, furthermore, uh, they were at first required to change their names to more biblical biblical names. This they is used so weird. Syllables, uh, two syllable names that ended in Odie, like Jody, and have well, I wish three it was that consonants, easy. <laughs> and had three consonants in the first syllable, such as Rakodi, yep, Jamodi, and Lavodi. Mm-hmm. And can you just like spell those out? Like, yes, okay, it sounds like kind of okay when you're saying it, but just like spell I don't even it know Rikodi. if I said them right. Rakodi is it's... like R K K O D Y. Jamodi is J M M O D Y, and Lavodi is L L L V V O D Y. Yeah, yeah. Literally, everyone was was called like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like that's also I was like trying to, I was trying to turn my name into 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 this, but oh. I can't because my I was gonna be like Eric Cody, but uh, it can't have a, Erody, no? a vowel, no, because it can't have uh, a vowel. The three three oh the first syllable the first syllable has to have uh, three consonants, so it would have to be like um, R like the RR um, with an Marody like M M R R O D Y or some shit like that weird yeah 
So Applewhite and Nettles ceased having public meetings in April of 1975 and spent time teaching doctrine to their uh, converts. I was going to say to their covenant. Uh, the pair has also had little contact with their dispersed followers, many of whom renounced their uh, allegiance. Applewhite and Nettles feared that they w- that they would be assassinated and taught their followers that their deaths would be similar to those of the two witnesses of the Book of Revelation. They believed their treatment by the press was a form of assassination and had fulfilled their prophecy. Oh, my God. Let dude. me. So, yeah. So let me also just say... Um, you know, they, they I, it's, we've mentioned a couple of times that they kind of stopped, like, talking at these events or whatever. And that was because the people that they had recruited, um, they would essentially have them do it. And, again, there's, like, home video and stuff in this documentary that you can see. And they're, like, arguing with the crowd. And the crowd's like, well, how, like, this makes no sense. Or, how is this different from organized religion? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, it's totally different. And they're no. just kind of like sitting there and listening and letting their followers, quote unquote, kind of do the fighting for them and do the speaking for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, why not sit back and just see the monster that you created do its own thing, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah and then, so like the, the way that they were, it was almost like perfect because they had always said that they were going to be killed and then resurrected. Mm-hmm. And they always made it seem like in a literal term. But then when the media started giving them shit, they're like, look, this is how we go down. Like, we're going to die, but we're going to rise from the ashes. And this, this is what we were actually talking about this whole time. So, like, every time something happens, they just kind of, like, twist it around a little bit. And, like, no, see, like, we were right. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, by early 1976... Marshall and Bonnie had settled on the names Doe and T. In June of 1976, they gathered their remaining followers of Medicine Bow National at Medicine Bow National Forest in southeastern Wyoming, uh, promising a UFO visit. Bonnie later announced that the visit had been canceled. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, she got a phone call JK from the UFO. They're like, "Hey, uh, yeah. I'm going to be able to make it because I had to bounce over to Mars first. Yeah, no, that's exactly how that went down. <laughs> From 1976 to 1979, the group lived in campgrounds, usually in the Rocky Mountains or Texas. Applewhite or Nettles began, oh, sorry, Applewhite and Nettles began to place greater demands on their followers' loosely structured lives, which improved membership retention. They typically communicated with their disciples in writing or through assistance. Increasingly, they emphasized that they were the only sources of truth. Oh, sounds like the Bible. The idea that members could receive individual revelations was rejected in an attempt to prevent uh, schisms. I mean, this is, it's like, it's literally just organized religion with like a different label slapped on it. And, and, and they, I mean, like we read that they're, they carried around um, a Bible and studied that and, both of them grew up in religious homes, you know, and so that is very much embedded in their roots. They just, again, slapped a different label on it and called it something new. And I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. So Marshall also sought to prevent close friendships among his followers, fearing that this could lead to insubordination. He and Nettles insisted that their followers practice what they referred to as flexibility, strict obedience to their own often shifting requests. Um, I I wanted to comment again just on the documentary because I thought it was super fascinating. Um, 
them not being able to have close relationships even with each other. Um, the the meeting goer that I was talking about that said that he saw like that haziness and he felt mm-hmm. like he was sitting in the presence of Jesus. He had actually gone with his girlfriend and they ended up joining together. But because of this whole like you can't have a relationship, they like broke up essentially. Um, but they were in it together for years and they're I don't know what it was that they're celebrating and they're just happy about. And then he like turned to Marshall and was like, Can I please like give her a hug? And this was kind of towards the end and he kind of didn't give as much of a shit. So he's like, Yeah, fine, go ahead. And that was like the first time that they had hugged in ten years or something like that. And um another I don't know if we kind of talk about it again, but I didn't I didn't put it in the report because I figured I would end up just talking about it because it was fascinating. One of their devotees um, was this like super handsome, charming like actor that they ended up picking up and he quickly became Marshall's like assistant and um, well, see, it was weird because he wanted him around and he was always around and he did all the things and he was a very devoted, you know, crew, quote unquote. But it finally got to a point where because they're supposed to like renounce like there's or sex and everything. And um, he ended up telling the guy like my my vessel is becoming very attracted to your vessel so you can no longer be my <laughs> my assistant and he like shunned him basically um and the dude was like super bummed because he was so like devoted to you know he, he was he was the assistant of god basically right or he so he thought so he was all like bummed out about that and uh, but i just thought it was so fascinating he he was so he was like, Father, why have you forsaken I mean, me? Basically. But also like Marshall, he was just so in denial and so uh hated himself, you know, and, and his sexuality and just felt like if I mean, granted, yeah, this was a different time, so like I get it. It it, it was harder back then, but man, this is not the way to do it. <laughs> it's not the way to handle it. Uh but yeah, anyway, sorry, keep going. Just had to throw that in there. Yeah, so uh, the two leaders limited their group's contact with those outside the movement, even some who may have been interested in joining, ostensibly to prevent infiltration from hostile parties. In practice, this made their followers completely dependent upon them. Applewhite instructed his disciples to be like children or pets in their submission. Their sole responsibility was to obey their leaders. Clearly a cult, obviously. I like, mean, how do you- more obvious, like. It can't be more obvious. Members were encouraged to constantly seek Marshall's advice and often ask themselves what their leaders would do when making a decision. What would Jesus do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To his followers, he he did not seem dictatorial. Many of them found him laid back and fatherly. In his 2000 study of the group, Winston Davis states that, that Applewhite mastered the fine art of religious entertainment. Noting that many of his disciples seem to enjoy their service, kind of like those pastors mm-hmm. on TV. Yep. No, exactly. Maybe. Yep. Applewhite organized seemingly arbitrary rituals that were intended to instill a sense of discipline in his followers. He, for, he referred to these tasks as games. He also watched science fiction television programs with the rest of the group. 
Rather than issue direct commands, he attempted to express his preferences and nominally offer his disciples a choice. He emphasized that students were free to disobey if they chose, and what uh, and what Lalich dubs the illusion of choice. See, that's what I was saying. It makes you think that you're choosing, but he's really just like ninjing his way into making you choose what he wants you to choose. Applewhite and Nettles sometimes made sudden drastic changes to the group. On one occasion in Texas, they told their followers of a forthcoming visitation from extraterrestrials and instructed them to wait outside all night, at which point they informed them that this had been merely a test. JK. Because, again, now they went to Jupiter instead of, you know, coming here. Lalich says that this is a way that they were increased, that they that this was the way that they increased their students' devotion, ensuring that their commitment became irrespective of what they saw. Members became desperate for Marshall's approval, which he used to control them. In 1980, Applewhite and Nettles had, uh, had about 80 followers, many of whom held jobs, often working with computers or as car mechanics. In 1982, the pair allowed their disciples to call their families. They further relaxed their control in 1983, permitting their followers to visit relatives on Mother's Day. They were only allowed short stays and were instructed to tell their families that they were studying computers at a monastery. <laughs> These vacations like, okay. were in... Yeah. <laughs> uh, them monks are uh, technologically advanced now. Yep. These vacations were intended to play... Uh, placate. Placate. Or to calm families by demonstrating that the disciples remained with a group of their own accord. Like, see, we're not forcing them to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked up. Um, so this is where things kind of like, bam, take a turn, uh, an unexpected turn. Actually, is it unexpected? I don't think so. Um, but there is something that happens that kind of um, does make everything go downhill fast, basically, I guess. Um, and that is the death of Bonnie Nettles in 1983. She had eye surgery that uh, removed um, some cancer in her eye that she was diagnosed with years earlier. And she lived two more years after that surgery and, and, and died in 1985. Marshall actually told their followers that she had, this is a quote, travel to the next level because she had too much energy to remain on earth somehow that worked um he attempted to explain her death in terms of the group's uh like doctrine what you know he had been saying and and it was successful and it uh, preventing the departure of all but one member marshall also told his followers that he stayed behind because he still had more to learn and he felt that she occupied quote a higher spiritual role than he did and he began to identify her as the father <laughs> and often referred to her like with with male pronouns after her death father the son and the holy spirit um after her death, Marshall just starts really to like lose it, as if he hadn't lost it already. Like he just really starts to lose it, and so maybe she was kind of keeping him in check in a way, sort of, kind of, but not really. I I guess, but like I feel like she she also like let let it happen or like initiated it. I I will say this too. I and maybe I actually, she controlled it, like. 
she made it like she like how do i explain this she kept him from going completely off the rails like yeah you know what i mean i don't know yeah and actually you know now that you said that that triggered a memory from the documentary that i actually didn't add but it's pretty important um was an interview in, in the documentary with the daughter where it was like the last letter that her mom wrote her mm-hmm. and it, it almost seemed like it was coded because it, it didn't make complete sense but she was like yeah i'm fine everything is great like so on and so forth and the daughter was just very confused by the letter and then it wasn't until years and years later that she's like i i realized now that it was code and that something was wrong so it almost seemed like she was starting to kind of realize like this has gone too far oh and and he or he was he was losing it and was like he is going too far and he's taking this to like a different place than it should have been though i don't know what it should have been right but Mm. i guess a more dangerous level is is what it was so it kind of seemed like she was starting to like wait 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 like let's backtrack here um and so he actually also altered his view of ascension so previously he was telling the group or had taught the group that they would physically ascend like from earth and that death caused reincarnation but her death which i mean like she was left behind like her body was still there um forced him to change that and then say that the ascension could be spiritual too so once she passed away and her body was still stuck on earth because that's the way it goes she wasn't going to get like abducted onto a spaceship then he was like oh wait uh just kidding you know everything that i've been preaching for the last decade decade or two that's bullshit actually can also happen spiritually like that's got to be a red flag no i don't know i think um the biblical heaven was actually a planet on which the highly evolved beings dwelt or lived and um, physical bodies were required to ascend there. Uh, He emphasized that Jesus, who he said was an extraterrestrial, which I've heard and I kind of honestly really love that theory and I almost hope that it's true because that'd be fucking cool, (laughs) Um, came to Earth, was killed, and his body rose from the dead before being transported back onto the spaceship. So that's what he said was what was going to happen. Um, and he holes in his hands were how they, they raised him up. They dropped hooks. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) That's why I looked like he was flying. Cause it was just like fishing string kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, he Marshall also taught that he was a walk-in, I had never heard of this before. Like I had to Google it. Um, it's it's a it's a concept that it kind of gained popularity in the New Age movement during the late 1970s. And walk-ins were said to be higher beings who took control of adult bodies to teach humanity. And I mean, this is yeah, basically in his mind what they're doing. Um, but this concept is what informed Applewhite's view of resurrection. And he believed that his group souls were to be transported to a spaceship where they could enter other bodies. Like there'd be like other better bodies waiting for them in these spaceships, mm. kind of like a, uh, avatar kind of situation. I feel like. I like that. Um, 
what was that show that fucking came out on Netflix recently? Where like you could basically like if you're rich, you could clone your body a bunch of times and your your memories are basically downloaded onto a hard drive and then um your uh so like when you die you like have a a, a say like your last save before you die right and yeah. then put that save into the new clone body and then so you get to live for another however long mm. and then you just keep doing that over and over and you could live forever interesting i don't think i've ever seen that show yeah I'll, or heard of alter, it altered carbon is what oh it's called. okay and then you could actually you could actually even like upload your memories. So like I could make a save file of of Eric, right? And then I could go and put it in uh another like male or female body. And then I'll have the memories of Eric, but I'm in another body. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know why shows or, or ideas like that of like downloading your consciousness into another body so you can live forever i'm like no just do one life and let's if i restart it i restart it but i don't i, I don't have a desire to live forever because then like everyone that you love ends up dying yeah and, but you have to think about people like narcissists a lot of rich that's people true. yeah you know like a lot of Imagine. people like a lot of businessmen are supposedly um sociopaths right yeah uh or psychopaths anyway so they they really don't think about other people like that you know yeah, it's just they're just focused sense. on that so for them it'd just be like yeah i just want to live forever because because me i get to be with me yeah. and i get to live Ugh. forever barf yeah. no thank you well in the wake of bonnie's death apple white like we said, kind of went off the rails and he became uh, super paranoid and was feeling like there is some sort of conspiracy against his group. And uh, one member who had joined in the mid 1980s remembered that uh, he or uh, Marshall used to avoid new converts and worrying that they were just infiltrators. So he, he was like super anti, like no new members for a while there. And, um, he also stated that evil extra that this part I thought was kind of funny, but that there were evil extraterrestrials who he referred to as Luciferians, which I'm like, that's got the Bible written all fucking over it. Like, I don't I don't get it. But um, that they they were trying to, like, fuck up his mission, basically. And he argued that many prominent moral teachers and advocates of uh, political correctness were actually luciferians <laughs> which so so luciferians nowadays would be called liberals basically progressives yes yeah pretty much uh and this theme emerged in like 1988 uh probably possibly in a response to uh the like alien ab abduction stories that were starting to kind of come up and um, so he's like, oh, yeah, there's bad aliens out there, too, that abduct you. So we're getting to the end of this shit show. <laughs> uh, not not the, I mean, I'm well, shit show, well, yeah. the, like the cult is a shit show. Like, not yes. this, you know, show. It's, this show is not a shit show. Well, at least I don't think <laughs> it's a shit show. People are like, this isn't paranormal. This is a shit show. 
Sorry, guys. <laughs> in the late 1980s, the group kept a low profile. Uh, few people kept. Few people knew it still existed. In 1988, the year that I was born, they mailed a document that detailed their beliefs to a variety of New Age organizations. The mailing contained information about their history and advised people to read several books, which primarily focused on Christian history and UFOs. Uh, with the exception of the 1980, sorry, 1988 document, Marshall's group remained inconspicuous until 1992, a year after Michelle was born, when yes. they recorded a 12-part video series, which was broadcast via satellite. This series, echo- this series echoed many of the teachings of the 1988 update, although it introduced a universal mind of which, it, uh, of which its hearers could partake. In the early 1990s, their membership dwindled, numbering as few as 26. These defections gave Applewhite a sense of urgency. In May 1993, the group took the name Total Overcomers Anonymous, or TOA. No, that's not what they call themselves, but it it's TOA. TOA. They then, they then spent $30,000 to publish a full-page advertisement in USA Today that warned of catastrophic judgment to befall the earth. It's Y2K. <laughs> its publication led about 20 former members to rejoin. The, it wasn't Y2K, guys. I was just joking. I'm just being <laughs> facetious. Its publication led about 20 former members to rejoin the group. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Isn't that, this, along with a series of yeah. public lectures in 1994, caused memberships to double from its lowest point at the beginning of the decade. The group increasingly focused on the suppression of sexual desire. Applewhite and seven others opted for surgical. Oh my god! Opted for for surgical Dude, castration. Just wait. Go. They go. initially did. They chop their penises off too. Just go. They initially I'll, I'll had difficult. <laughs> they initially <laughs> they initially had difficulty finding a willing surgeon, but eventually found one in Mexico. Insert Michelle's story from the documentary. You're not supposed to read that part. <laughs> Um, okay, so let me let me tell you, because this was not in, I mean, yeah, this was in some reports, but again, having interviews from, uh, I'm like getting like, oof, like antsy, I'm like hitting everything, so sorry if you can hear me moving around. Um, in the documentary, like having the former members tell their sides of the story and stuff, they, you know, one of the former members was talking about this one, I think he was like Scottish or something, um, and he was a type like super always like overly enthusiastic and like if you're like hmm like i think it would be a good idea to like i don't know fair like i'm just using this as as an example they do do this but for everyone to have like the same haircut he would be the first one to go cut his hair like he was he was always like first one to do it so then this came up one of one of the former members was like well we can't have sex might as well cut off our penises what? Oh my god, dude! Yeah, it's because I was no, because I was thinking they said, "Okay, guys, we need to go get castrated." And then he goes and chops his penis off. And he's like, "Hey, guys, look, I cut it off." And they're like, "No, dude, you're supposed to cut your balls off, not your penis." And they're like, "Oh, yeah." Well, so it was, it was, I mean, not graphic as in they showed anything, but the way that they were describing it was, yeah, they couldn't find anyone to do it, so he was like. I'll just do it myself. And they like, basically, I don't know. There's like five of them that were like, yeah, we're going to do this or some shit. And I think they had like two of the, the female, you know, uh, 
crew or devotees and they're like yeah we're just gonna do it in this basement here and he started to and then i was like fuck like no 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 like i'm losing a lot of blood like i can't do this or whatever but then they couldn't take him to the police or call an ambulance or anything because it's like y'all this is a fucking cult if you're cutting each other's balls off so they were like afraid to go anywhere to get him medical help so he was like bleeding out about to like lose his life and finally they're able to find someone to like stitch him up Mm -hmm. and and then they found a surgeon who was willing to do it like safely i guess but um but at that point a lot i guess seeing how badly this dude just like bled out and was suffering and stuff like some people are like fuck that so some people still went through with it and and you know castrated themselves or got surgery to castrate themselves and others were like no never mind just kidding i don't want to do that <laughs> um but it's that was like the most extreme I, well there's a lot of extreme that uh, gets worse that was the second most extreme thing that they they did yeah so in marshall's view sexuality was one of the most powerful forces that bound humans to their bodies and thus hindered their efforts to evolve to the next level he taught that next level beings had no reproductive organs, but that Luciferian beings had genders. In addition, he required members to adopt similar clothing and haircuts, possibly to reinforce the, that they were a non-sexual family. In the early 1990s, Applewhite posted some of his teachings on the internet, but he was stung by the resulting criticism. That year, he first spoke of the possibility of suicide as a way to reach the next level. So did they drink the Kool-Aid? He explained that everything human had to be forsaken, including the human body, before one could ascend. The organization was then renamed Heaven's Gate. Dun, dun, dun. Finally, we get to fucking Heaven's Gate. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is um, like one of those movies where like it's like a huge long ass intro, and then like halfway through the movie, it's like the title of the movie. It's it's a Leo DiCaprio thing to where he points at the TV. I can't whistle, uh-huh. so I can't do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf, no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know why I always thought that meme was from... And I've just recently watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I always thought that was from... Uh, um, Wolf of Wall Street? For Wolf of Wall Street. No. Once Upon mm. a Time. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's where that Leo meme would come out. It's right here. Now, mm-hmm. it's Heaven's Gate. But um, yeah, it, and and if you see, again, watch the documentary, or if you just want to kind of look in, and see what their uniform kind of thing basically was, um, they all had short, like, not bowl cuts, but it just like went a, across like in a straight line. Kind of, sort of reminded me of the aliens from what's that movie from like back in the day when we were kids, where these actors are pretend yeah. to be. Um, and like Dwight plays one of them or Galaxy Quest Galaxy Quest yeah but yeah so they have like those kinds of haircuts and they wear like neutral colors and yeah they all are just yeah trying to look similar and it's pretty off-putting I guess um so let's talk about the end and mass ascension um in October of 1996, the group rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California, 
And that year, they recorded two video messages in which they offered their viewers a, a last chance to evacuate Earth. <laughs> and around the same time, they learned uh, of the approach of a comet Hale-Bopp. Marshall now believed that Bonnie was aboard a spaceship trailing the comet and that she had planned to rendezvous with them as this uh, mass ascension happened and the comet was was passing over. So in uh, late March of 1997, the group isolated themselves and recorded farewell statements and a lot of the members uh, praised Marshall in their final messages. So even to the very end, they thought he was it. And um, um, and it was actually said that a lot of the, the remarks from the videos were just like regurgitations of Doe's gospel. Like it wasn't or, or his gospel. Like it wasn't actually saying anything great about him genuinely i guess um and so marshall recorded a video shortly before his death in which he termed this i mean let's call them what they are the suicides the the final exit of the group and remarked that or said that um we do in all honestly hate this world that's sad i don't know why that just made me very depressed um so it was speculated that that Marshall settled on suicide because he had said that the group would ascend during his lifetime. And I mean, he was also ending or getting getting older and his health was declining. And he said that he like there is nobody that he could appoint as a successor because it just there is no way like nobody could be him. The religious scholar Catherine Wessinger kind of hypothesized, I guess, that, that the suicides began on March twenty uh, second, and so what they actually does it say? Did I put it here? Yeah, I guess I guess I did. Um, so they they began in in March twenty second, and it's actually not like oh they all did it at the same time. It kind of went in waves. Um, most of the members took barbiturates and alcohol and then placed bags over their heads. Jesus Christ, dude. Um, that was probably very painful. Yeah. Um and, and they all wore like uniforms, like the the same thing, which which were uh Nike shoes, uh and black uniforms. I think it was like sweatpants and like a uh it, it looked like a legit what? But just the their uniform and then oh. what the patches said. Yeah, the, so they had patches on their uniforms that said Heaven's Gate Away Team, which is like sick and disturbing when you really think about like what they're about to do. Um, and this, oh, and so they had a bag that contained a few dollars and a form of identification was placed beside their bodies. And that money was, uh, oh God, I hate that I didn't write this down when I was watching the documentary but it was basically like a little uh story i don't know if it was in the bible or where he got this from but there was like a toll that you had to pay to like get into heaven and so mm -hmm. they all had exactly like it was like two dollars and i don't know 35 cents or something like that uh, but they all had it because that was quote unquote the toll that they were gonna pay you know 
to get aboard this ship or you know whatever it was but it was based off of a story and i'm drawing a blank on what that story was and i'm upset that i didn't write that down but um what else did they have i mean that was i think that was pretty much it yeah um go ahead i feel like i feel like i've seen the that in a movie yeah like that and, and but in the movie i i don't know if they were all like in bunk beds or some shit like that yeah that's that's kind of how this was so i mean okay. some of them were just in regular beds but because they all lived in like this one house yeah there's there's bunk beds and, and stuff. i don't remember what movie i saw that in I don't know. I I think it was like just like a pop like a pop culture reference to probably that. yeah. But uh, like they were kind of I don't know if they were making fun of it, but it was just like oh look at this crazy shit that happened type of thing. Yeah, no, that's I mean if you look at photos, and I I, I talked about the Museum of Death, right? N- yes. Here I on the podcast so. before, yeah, they had like some of the some of the stuff there and. And oh, and actually, also, I think was it Zach Baggins Haunted Museum? Maybe not. Maybe I'm just thinking of the Museum of Death. But yeah, I saw like they had the shoes or they had like the patches and stuff like that. And it was, I think they actually also a docu. Oh, that's it's also on a, the the documentary too. They visit another Museum of Death, not the one in in New Orleans that I visited, and they have like the whole setup, like the two bunk beds, and obviously they're dummies, but it was like the real uniforms. The real patches, the real shoes, like the real everything from the crime scene because they took what was evidence, but then there's other stuff left over. And so they just started literally like selling it, which seemed so fucked up. But, um, dude, I'm the, looking you know, at pictures from the crime scene. It's, it's scary, right? Yeah, I mean, knowing, crazy. knowing now. So, okay, let me, and let me just keep going. So, like I said, it took multiple days. Um, the the deaths actually occurred over a span of three days specifically and marshall was one of the last four to die so they had three assistants help him commit suicide and then they killed themselves um but what they would do was you know some people if you want to look at pictures i'm probably not going to post any crime scene pictures because that just seems a little much but if you yeah, wanted to go do that yourself tough. yeah if you want to go do that yourself you can I can describe to you, I mean, they're, yeah, they're laying either in beds or bunk beds. They all have their uniforms on. There's and one then that's even a, laying on a table. Yeah. And, a table. yeah, and, and they, uh, you know, they, they do their thing, but then whoever's still alive will go back over after they've passed and kind of like place their hands, like, you know, on their bodies. And then they cover their faces and their heads or their upper bodies, I guess, with like a purple uh, cloth. And so then the next group would go and there's some still alive and same thing. And if I'm not mistaken, the last uh, people who like assisted him and then uh, took their own lives, they used guns, if I'm not mistaken, or or they were found um, not nice and tidy like the rest of them. I was going to say, uh, you could probably still do it like. If you took the the stuff and then just, but the thing is, like, I feel like if you're suffocating yourself like that with a bag, you're probably gonna be like writhing and stuff. So uh, I yeah. don't think that you could stay perfectly like that unless I don't know. But I don't know yeah. either. Let's not get into that. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I'm almost like already having a hard time breathing. I had to take a deep breath because I felt like I had a bag over my head. Um, but 
so you know they 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 did this mass killing um and they had actually told one of the former members like hey we're gonna do this thing and he didn't want a part of it but he's like hey we're gonna do this thing and um on this date and you know this time when we're done with it do like an anonymous tip so that they come get our bodies basically so that's what happened this former um former member contacted the sheriff's department and left an anonymous tip and said go search the mansion like you're gonna find bodies there and sure enough when they actually 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 sorry very not very important detail but an interesting detail is that guy who left the anonymous tip they told him come to the house first record what you see and then call in the tip and that's what he did. And and the documentary shows kind of some of his footage that he... And it's, you know, similar to those crime scene photos where you see the bodies, like, covered with, you know, the purple cloths and they're in their uniforms and stuff. And it's, like, chilling to see. Um, I wouldn't... I can't even imagine what that felt like walking through there knowing 39 bodies were there, deceased. Crazy. Um. Yeah, so they they found these 39 bodies there on March 26th, and it was the largest group suicide involving U.S. citizens since the 1978 mass suicide of the 913 Americans in Jonestown. If this was a true crime podcast, we'd probably be doing that one too, but this is not, so I, yeah, <laughs> that's a, even more insane. Um but uh, Marshall's body was found seated on the bed of the mansion's master bedroom, and medical examiners determined that his fears of cancer had been unfounded, but that he suffered from coronary atherosclerosis. atherosclerosis. What is that? Uh, it's the like the arteries in your heart are starting to harden. Mm. So it wasn't cancer that he had to worry about. It was coronary, 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 whatever you said. Atherosclerosis, yeah. Yeah. Atherosclerosis. <sighs> so obviously the deaths provoked a media circus and uh, Marshall's face was featured on the covers of Time and Newsweek um, on April 7th. And his final message was widely broadcast. Um, and, and it's, well, I don't know why you would do that though. Broadcast that the final message because media eat that shit up. I mean, that's, that's what I feel like the news is all about, right? Like talk about yeah, crazy shit. Um, but so I saw, I saw bits and pieces of, of this broadcast or, uh, yeah, I guess broadcast or like the video that he made. And he looks, this is actually the scene that Evan Peters um, plays in American Horror Story. And the dude, the dude's eyes are like Wide. massive. Have you, did you, have you seen him or have you looked at pictures and stuff? Fo- like, uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm looking at different photos of him and, and every time like he comes out, his eyes are always super huge. Yeah. Just like, cir- like circles, straight circles. It's not even like, oh, almond shaped, like regular eye, just like big like huge eyes like you something is up 
like you can see it in his eyes yeah uh, anyway yeah guys i don't know eric final thoughts like i said we're about two hours holy shit sorry guys but final i thoughts. told you it's a lot final thoughts heaven's gate is crazy but listening to a lot of it it does remind me of like QAnon now yeah um, just churches not all churches but you know some churches or like a lot of these evangelical like crazy like you know pastors that you see that have like millions and millions and millions of dollars and they there's these super churches like they remind yeah. it reminds me of that for sure just with an alien twist which makes me sad Scientology. Like you've, you've tainted the alien <laughs> the funness of aliens it's like conspiracy theories i'm like my conspiracy theories used to be fun now they're just crazy I mean, I guess they sounded crazy back then, and then some of them were proven correct, so it's not so crazy, but mm -hmm. I don't know. They just seem more hateful now. Anyway. Uh, don't join a cult, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, don't That's do it. That's my final thought. Uh, if you ever feel like someone is making you feel overly special or making you seem like you can be better than someone else... I don't know. Think twice. Think very carefully about what it is that they're actually telling you or preaching to you. Good advice. All right. Lead us out, brother. All right, guys. Well, if you'd like to contact us like Craig did, uh, <laughs> check out our website at webelievedyou.com. On the website, there's a tab where you can find all our social medias. So make sure you go like, follow, and share on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There's also a listen tab where you can listen to the show directly on our website or click the link to your favorite site to listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps us move up the ranks so more people can find us. And leave a review so we can read it, read it here on the show. If you want any of our merch, feel free to check out our merch tab where you can find a variety of designs on t-shirts, caps, and hoodies designed by Michelle herself. There's also a donate button if you really want to help us out. And finally, if you want to reach us besides DMing us on social media, you can click the contact us tab where you can write in telling us that you want to be interviewed. We can keep you anonymous and only share the information that you want to share. You can also send in your stories for our stories of ice strangeness. And if you send them in in Spanish, we can translate those for you as well. So don't be shy, guys. Share your stories with us because we believe. Do you?